In this month's lesson, we discussed seven things that are important to know as you grow in leadership. Let's join Pastor Bill in the auditorium for this great lesson. Glad to be with you today. And also for those of you that are watching, let me just tell you, um, I'm excited that you watch with us. We're, we're thrilled. Those of you at North Carolina College of Theology, I, particularly I, uh, I've been friends for a long time with the Cook family, and you can't ask for better people. And so I'm honored that you and I are able to go through leadership together today. I'm going to talk to you today about a lesson entitled, If I Want to Grow, I Need to Know. These are the things that I have to do if I'm going to grow. And I believe that's, that's the most important thing we can do is get the right game plan before we launch out. So I'll share with you now about seven things that I learned in order to grow and to develop. Because I've been where you are. Started with 32 people on an Easter Sunday, the high day. And into where we are today. These are things that I didn't read out of a book really, but I just learned it, wrote them down. I think they'll help you. So I want to jump right in, Okay. If I, want to, if I want to grow, I need to know these things. Number one, um, there is a pain threshold for growth. There's a pain threshold. Your company, your personal life, uh, all of those things will only grow to the level of your pain threshold. Now, it's up to you to figure out what that pain threshold is, but it will not grow beyond that unless you intentionally decide to press through that. If you can't handle things like, jealousy or criticism or temptation, uh, if you can't handle false accusations, uh, you'll never grow to your full potential. You've got to be able to go through those things, and those are what we call a pain threshold for us. If you, don't, if you don't push yourself past that, then what happens is that you greatly limit yourself for future growth. And great leaders have always been greatly criticized, and great leaders have always drawn heat, we call it. Look at anybody that's really a great leader, and you'll usually know because of the kind of heat they get. You know the old saying, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Well, I think the same is true. If you can't stand the heat, get out of leadership. Because anything you do is going to make a difference, is going to draw some heat. But you have to be willing to say, that may be where I've got to go through, and I'm not going to quit, even though it's painful. So figure out where your pain threshold is. And for everybody, it's different, okay? My pain threshold may not be the same level that someone else is that's doing even further, but it may be greater than someone who's done less. And so you're going to have to keep that in forefront of your mind if you're going to continue the growth process. So the first one is there's a pain threshold of growth. The second one is this, there's a personal pressures that leaders face. Leaders always face some personal issues that those things determine how far you're going to grow as well. That is, while your leadership may be public and everybody sees that, you cannot neglect your private life. The fact is, is that many good leaders have cracked and burned and fallen privately. And then one day they collapse publicly and people wonder, how did that happen? Well, it happened a long time back. It's almost like running out of gas. You can coast for a while, but there'll be a day that you come to a complete stop. And so I say about that, that old saying, don't let your talent take you where your character cannot keep you. You know, I mention about integrity all the time that you can get to the top without it. Um, you can get there faster without it. It will get in your way if all you want to do is get at the top, but you cannot stay at the top without integrity. And so 
the personal pressures are going to be those issues that, that come to you here that nobody else knows. That's the battles you face and the battles you fight. And um, you're going to have to make sure that your integrity stays in line even when nobody else is watching. I, I say it this way. There cannot be two yous. There can't be a public you that is different from the private you. You've got to be the same person in both places. Number three. Third thing I want to know if I want to grow, and, uh, and particularly, you, you know, many of you are, are in full-time ministry. You're giving all you can. You're doing the best you can to be able to stay ahead. You want to grow, but you need to know how and where and what's the right steps. You want to learn from the right mentors, the people that actually done it, not just the ones that told you about it. So the third thing that I would do if I'm there is understand this. There's a pace to keep. In leadership, it's, it's not enough that you get the job as a leader. Uh, many people can get the job with just the right resume or being at the right place at the right time or knowing the right people. You can get the job. But my, my hope is that you will work every day as if you're trying to keep the job. You want to work as hard every day after you got it as you did the first day that you got it or what you did to get it. And so you're going to have to keep a pace. Now that pace is going to be mentally and spiritually and physically. In those areas, you keep up that pace or one of those will turn out to be your downfall. Mental growth is going to be your personal growth issue. It's what we're doing right now. I think it's more important that we personally put ourselves in the place to grow, to read, to learn, to listen, to observe, to apply. If we can't mentally grow and stay sharp, there'll come a time we're behind the eight ball. You see it a lot in, uh, in technology today because it moves so fast that if you're not staying on the cutting edge, it's not long before you're behind, and in no time, you can't catch up. And so the same thing is going to be true for you in your ministry. You're going to have to constantly be growing mentally, learning leadership above uh, most of the other things you do because if you don't, it's going to come back one day to haunt you, and it puts the lid on your life. Spiritual growth, when I talk about the pace of that, your spiritual growth is your soul issue. It is how are you feeding your spirit? You'll never get so spiritual that you don't need a good quiet time. You'll never get so spiritual that you don't need daily time in the Bible. Those are how you feed your souls. So the question is going to be, am I relying on God's resources or am I relying on man's? Now, I say this to you to warn a lot of you younger ones in ministry there's some good examples out there and good information out there, and there's a lot of good techniques and, and a lot of good trends that you can follow. I challenge you, learn what you can from those, but don't make those your priority. Make your priority become that inner person. Make your priority become prayer and the Word of God. If you'll do that, it'll anchor you when the trend passes. When all those other things have phased out and something new comes along, You'll still be standing when other people fall because you kept the pace spiritually. And so it's an issue of am I relying on man's methods or God's methods? And, and if you rely on man's methods, you're going to always be changing. You rely on God's methods, you're going to be rooted, grounded, and you'll bear fruit. Even when there's no other explanation, you'll still be able to say, I'm, I'm growing and I'm growing spiritually and I'm on fire when the rest of them have died out. So your mental growth, your spiritual growth are two. The third is your physical growth. If you're going to stay active, you're going to stay in the game, you're going to have to watch yourself physically. 
And I say this to you kindly, but many of you that are in ministry, you're going to be invited to a lot of dinners, okay? You're going to be invited to a lot of meals with a lot of food that has a lot of calories. Uh, you'll get a breakfast. You'll have to meet people for lunch. You'll get a dinner. And, and it's okay. I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying you better make sure you exercise enough for one day, no matter how your heart loves God, no matter how much you love the people and love the mission, you're not going to be able to stay at the pace or sustain yourself if physically you're tired or if you start having health problems that could have been resolved. So to stay ahead in your leadership, you're going to have to do this. You've got to keep pace mentally, physically, and spiritually. And, and remember this, everything that helps you to get to your goal is your friend. And everything that prevents you from getting to your goal is your enemy. Even good things can become great distractions. The fourth thing, if I'm looking at all this, I want to know now, what's, what do I need to do? If I, want to, if I want to grow, I need to know, I need to know these things. Number four is this, there's a price to pay. It doesn't come cheap. You know, when you look at somebody that's, that's growing and their ministry is growing, it's not growing just because it just fell out of the sky or it was an accident or something like that. It doesn't even grow really because they're more favored by God. It grows because they've been willing to be used by God and they're willing to pay the price, whatever that price may be. Um, that price, you, by the way, you'll never stop paying it. Or when you do, when you quit paying is when you quit getting, okay? I mean, it just kind of cuts off at that point. And leaders that quit paying the price, you'll notice it. it they, they begin to slow down. Then they begin to coast. And remember this, you can only coast going downhill. And so when you're coasting, you may feel I'm still moving. I'm not having to put in the effort of energy. It may be. But where you end up at may be further back than where you wanted to be. Uh, be a lifelong learner. Part of that price to pay is you want to grow because change is always going to come. No matter what, you can't resist it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Change is coming. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. You get the choice to grow, but you don't get any control over whether change comes or not. So if I look at the price to pay, I want to be able to ask myself, am I willing to keep paying the price to grow? Am I willing to stay in the game no matter what and pour every effort I have into growing? If I'm growing, it's growing. If I'm not growing, it doesn't grow. If you want to grow your church, if you've got a church ministry or a parachurch ministry or an organization, the way it grows, it starts with the leader. The leader is where it starts at. When the leader quits growing, the people quit growing. So I can look at almost any church, any, any organization, and if they're growing, I say the leader's growing. And if, if they're not growing, I say that leader somehow is not growing. I, I recently observed two high schools, or two, well, a high school and middle school, right next door to each other. And um, one of them, everybody wants their kids there. It is just packed, and there's a line of people waiting to get in. The other one, everybody's trying to get out. They've got all kind of discipline problems. The kids are not learning. There's no order there. And people are pulling their kids out of that. And other schools are starting simply because that one is failing. But they're on the same street. They, their, kid, their teachers came from the same area. Their kids came from the same area. One's growing, the other's not. I can promise you this. The reason is at one school is a leader who's growing. At the other school is a leader who's coasted, and it shows up in the work. So there's a price to pay. Number five, fifth thing to know about this is 
there's a priority to maintain. Now, if I, if I want to grow, I need to know this, that I've got to make sure that my priorities are in the right place, okay? Um, if I have wrong place priorities, then that's going to hurt me. And by the way, you can have the same priorities as somebody else, but they may not be in the right order. So it's not enough just to have the priorities. These are the things I need to do. But do I have them in the right order? Because that's going to be the way that determines how effective I really am. Now, one of the most common traps that leaders fall into is they surrender their values for success. They want to succeed. They, they, they want to get the win. They want to be able to feel a sense of satisfaction. Don't ever do it at the price of your values. You've got to be willing to be like Joseph himself, you know, who said, how can I do this and sin against my God? Don't short circuit something. Don't, shortcuts don't pay off in the long run. If you take the shortcut now, it'll show up later. And so part of your priority issue is going to be making sure that I'm doing the right thing for the right reason at the right time with the right motives. Uh, having priorities means that you're going to keep your values and principles uh, anchored. Uh, if, if losing a sale, if you're in the sales business on the side or whatever like that, if losing the sale means keeping your values, that shouldn't even be a question. Keep your values. It, it, you're pastoring a church. Let's suppose many of you are going to be pastors one day. You're going to be tempted at some point to do something to get some members that if it crosses a line or you have to compromise your values, that member's not worth it. You've got to be willing to lose that member. I'll give you an illustration. I had a, had a guy approach me about three years ago. There was a church in our city that was going through a lot of turmoil. The man approached me and said, Brother Bill, we want to come to your church. He said, uh, I've got a whole list of people that are in a class I have. We tallied up our tithe, our annual tithe, and it'd be over $300,000. I could bring 40 members and we could join and we would bring $300,000 a year to your church. And then he said, uh, and I just want to know if, how that sounds to you. And I said, I don't like it. I don't like it for a number of reasons. Now, he's thinking that that's going to make me think, wow, you're bringing me 40 members plus their families and friends, and you're bringing me $300,000? Wow, that'd be great. But my goal is I want to reach the unchurched. I don't want to reach the people that go to church. So why do I want that? My values, if I, can, I can't with integrity tell our people we want to reach unchurched people and then turn around and privately tell somebody, sure, bring the 40 members out of that church. I don't want to hurt another church at the price of trying to build ours. So the success in that term or that way is not what I want. He looked at me and said, do you realize how many pastors would love that opportunity I mean, they would love to have 40 new members that fast and $300,000 within the year. That didn't bother me at all. I got values that are far more important. You can't put a price on that. So I did not agree with it. He stayed where he was. I don't know if they went somewhere else or whatever. It hadn't hurt us a bit. What I'm telling you is this. Make sure that your values, when they are and they will be tested, make sure that your values remain the same. At the end of the day, whether, and I believe in our case, God blessed us more than that. But if God had not blessed us with that, if this moment we had not grown, if at this moment we needed the 300,000, I still would be content and sleep well knowing that I did what I did on a value decision. So when I talk about priorities, remember this, 
you're going to be tested there. Your integrity will always be the one you want to rely on as to is this right or not. If your integrity has to be compromised to get what you want, the decision should already be made for you. Do right if the stars fall. Do right if nobody does right. Do right if you're the only one that does right. And do right if you're the only one that knows you're doing right and you can't tell anybody else. Just do right. Just do the right thing. Some of you pastors, by the way, you're I talk about priorities. Your priority ought to be your marriage. Uh, I, I know of way too many guys and girls that they get into ministry and suddenly they get more popular. All of a sudden they get temptations they never had before. They have people that try to steal them away from their spouse or flirt with them or get them to compromise and it flatters their ego and they make that mistake and they think sometimes that well nobody will know it but this is good let me tell you get out before you make that kind of mistake if that's the value that all I want to be is popular or liked or or flirted with or whatever if you got to ruin your marriage and you got to ruin your character and you got to break the hearts of people that respect you in order to get that unit for the wrong reason so I say do right, even if nobody knows. My wife and I have talked about it before. I've had, I couldn't name the, the physical temptations. And I'm not a good looking guy, but I could not name the, the number of physical temptations I've had or that she's had. We don't even talk about that. I don't come home and say, guess what? And did you know this? And she doesn't say this. But there have been occasions that we'd stop and laugh about that somebody would think somehow and I'm offended by it, but that somebody would think somehow that what I say up here, I didn't really mean that they could get me in a corner or a hallway or somewhere else and change my mind and ruin my life. So I want to stress to you, you'll, you'll make a huge impression and God can bless your life if you will keep your priorities right and your values high and you do not change. Anchor that. Mean it when you say it because God's watching you and you want to honor him. And so do not mess up a ministry or a calling you have because of the temptation somebody else brings along. You also, when I talk about priorities, you've got to watch distractions. Now, that means this. You cannot pick up every cause and be successful. Uh, there are a million causes. Uh, one of the things we get, and by the way, the bigger you get, the more causes you have brought to you. I cannot be in the ministry trying to do, take care of, you know, every child that, that needs clothes and every home that needs the lights on or money or food and every dog that needs a dog park to play in and, and every blood drive. Now, we do a lot of those things. We don't neglect the community. However, that's not our priority. Our priority is to get the gospel out. And if you, if you pick up a lot of other things, you will be what they used to say in the world. You'll be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Priority issue is the focus. Focus on what's the most important. If you could only do one or two, then my priority is going to be do the thing that gives the biggest return and do the thing that God called you to do. God called us to reach unchurched, lost people. That's what the calling is. And so, so focus on that. Keep that as a priority. Along that line, I say this. Remember this. You can't fix people. You get in the business of you're going to spend all your time as a pastor trying to counsel with people and, and fix people. You'll never fix them. Way too many pastors spend too much time trying to help everybody's marriage one-on-one -on -one or help everybody's child one-on-one, -on -one, trying to do things we're not qualified for. My, uh, my son, 
BJ, who a moment ago introduced me, when BJ graduated from Auburn University, he had a professor one day that gave him some wise advice. There was a girl in the class that talked about decisions she needed to make and counseling, and she said, I, you know, I'm talking to my pastor. And the professor said, listen, he said, young lady, I don't know your pastor, but I respect him. He said, however, my father was a pastor. He said, pastors are good at theology. They're good at sharing the mission that God wants you to be on. He said, but if you think your pastor has all the answers for counseling, you've mix, mixed it. He said, your pastor don't know all those things, and he don't. You don't need to get in that trap. You don't need to get in the trap of trying to do everything for everybody else. When I first got into ministry, I had people lined up just want to come by and spend an hour counseling with me. Now, I'm a bad counselor. It's not my gift, but that's not my job either. My priority is leading the church to get the gospel to the world. And so if I can stay on priority and stay off of doing 10,000 other things, you can keep it growing. But if you start doing 10,000 things other than the main thing and prioritizing, what's going to happen is you're going to be drained and exhausted and look around and say, nothing happened. There is no growth. And all I did is waste a lot of time. So prioritize your life. You can't fix people. They only change when they want to change. Literally, it's like this. I am responsible to the people to tell them the truth and show them the way. I am not responsible for what they do with that truth and whether they find the way or not. That's up to them. The part of it is my, it's like the, you know, when you're in the military, they come along, they just say, here's the chow, whether you like it or not. I fork it over, you can eat it or not. But that's, that's it. Your job is to give it. Their job is to receive it whether they want it or not. So if I understand that, that helps me. The sixth thing that I learned Sixth thing that I learned when it comes to growing and what I need to know is this. There's also a perseverance issue. Now, that is, you're going to have some times that you want to throw in the towel. You're going to have some times that you just want to quit. And I'm going to challenge you not to quit when you want to quit. Uh, don't, don't ever make a major decision in a valley in your life. You have what we call mountains and valleys and mountains and valleys. When you make a decision in the valley... It's not always the best decision or the wisest decision. Wait till you're on the mountaintop and then make your decision. I, I plan on staying at Cascade Hills, this church that I pastor, for as long as I can. Uh, it, you know, that, that's my goal. Now, God, I think, is, you know, maybe making other changes. But if I make those changes, I would never make it when it was in a downtime. I'd make it when it was on top. If trials and tribulations and ad adversity comes... They can sit back and relax and say, he ain't going nowhere because I'm not. Now, when everything's good, that's when they better say, uh-oh, he might be about to leave. The key is going to be this. Make your decision on the top. When you're on top of the mountain, you can see clearly in every direction. When in the valley, you don't. You start making decisions every time somebody in your ministry gets upset with you, every time somebody doesn't like something, every time you get a note or a letter or a disgruntled person, you start running every time that happens, and you'll be running all your life. You've got to make sure that you persevere. Sometimes the work is hard. Sometimes it is taxing. Sometimes you are tired. and Sometimes you feel very alone. And sometimes you want to, you want to make a difference and you get frustrated because people around you lack the compassion or don't want to work with you or serve with you. That's going to happen. And there's also going to be times that the very people that you trust the most are going to betray you the deepest. That's going to happen. People that you thought were going to make the journey with you didn't. We have a ministry here. Our ministry literally is in a place where it's like the NFL. Not everybody makes the cut. Uh, you you got to be really good and intentional to stay in this church. 
There are people that leave. We lose people. We absolutely lose them. They, they cannot make the cut. If they can't make the cut at Cascade Hills because our standard is higher, then that's not my problem. I'm not lowering the standard to make everybody happy. So you need to keep your standard high and you need to persevere regardless of what it looks like. Walk through those seasons and on the other side of that, you'll look back one day and say, I'm so glad I'm here. And you'll be much more anchored and your people will bear fruit because you were able to weather and withstand. Number seven, the final one is this. There is a power issue. Now the power issue is this. You have to empower other people if your ministry is going to grow. You know, I've always said the purpose of power is to empower. You don't get power just so you can enjoy it. You get power so you can help other people to be liberated. And so that's the purpose of it. And you've got to expend yourself through other people, through a team. Now, here's the hard part about that. You want to empower people and you just have to trust that you pick the right people with the right heart because sometimes you'll empower people that they can't handle authority. Uh, there have been times I've given people authority. I've given them the issues and said, okay, you have the authority. And it went to their head and they abused it and they hurt. And I, I regret it and I want to take it back. But if I take it back, I want to take it back only temporarily. And that is to put it back in the hands of somebody else who can do it. You do not want to be at the place where you say, I can't trust anybody else. I'm not going to trust. And then you hold it all. Empower your people. Like, you know, God told uh, Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You're only going to grow as you teach and equip and let those people grow. And so there's always going to be some of those people that can't handle it. But don't let that overshadow or make you withdraw or quit helping others. you got to be willing to help others as well. So those are the things I say to you that you need to know if you want to grow. You don't have to know everything, but I promise you this. Those seven things I just shared with you, if you begin to focus on those, put those in, in the place in front of you where you can see them, and you work within those parameters, I promise you, you will grow. You will leapfrog past a lot of your peers. You will look back one day and say, we did it right. And you'll see fruit behind you that confirms it. So my hope for you, my prayer for you, my goal for you is that you and I finish this journey with as much passion and zeal and more fruit than we had when we started. God bless every one of you. I wish you the very best as you do your best for you. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson. Be sure to check out all of our online resources available to Bill Purvis Leadership subscribers, including a brand new discussion forum where you can share information with your peers. Have a great month.